Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Aaron. A little bit just before uh, this podcast gets started. Neenan's doing his portion here. If you want to hear my list, you're going to have to check out the Kahaliolo Massage podcast. Everywhere you find the Pauhana podcast, you'll find the Kahaliolo Massage podcast as well. So enjoy Neenan's half and then go check out mine on my channel. Everybody stay safe, talk to you later, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Pauhana. This is Neil. And if you can't tell, this is a little bit of a different different type of podcast. I am by myself at home because of the, right now, the coronavirus outbreak. And uh, we are in lockdown. So I am doing a solo podcast today. And uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a little bit different. Just uh, kind of power through, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So what we're doing today is, um, since there's no sports out here right now, I mean, everything's shut down, so baseball season's postponed. There's no basketball. Who knows what, I mean, I think hockey's not, not going on right now. So pretty much no sports. That means no fantasy sports, but... Some of the guy, uh, some of the guys at ESPN start to do this kind of project called Project Goat, greatest of all time. So it's a Project Goat challenge. Let me give you a little bit of a description of it. The premise of this is put together a 23-man roster to be scored on a standard five x five rotisserie style. You can use, you may use any single regular season stats accumulated by an individual player in the past 40 years. So that means from 1980 to the present day. So I guess in 1980 was the first time uh, fantasy baseball was, I guess that was the year fantasy baseball was born uh, to present day. So the last full season was in 2019. So there you go. However, any good fantasy draft exercise demands some decision making. Therefore, you'll be constrained by force selection rules. So there's some rules to this challenge. And let me go over some of those. For the first rule is you may not use a player more than once regardless of the position. So if you use his example is if you use Arod at if you use Arod Alex Rodriguez at shortstop, you can't use him in any other any of his other seasons anywhere else. No more than one player per franchise. So that means you can't use if you pick a player from a particular team, that's all you get. You can't use more than one player per team. So Washington and Montreal are considered the same franchise because Montreal turned into the Washington, the Montreal Expos turned into the Washington Nationals. Name changes don't change the franchise either. So the Devil, the Rays were formerly the Devil Rays. The Florida Mar, the Florida Marlins became the Miami Marlins, and Angels were whatever. They keep changing their names. So no more than one player per team. No more than one season per year. So uh, the season that you pick for any particular player, you can only use one player's stats for a particular year, and any of your other players cannot use that year. So his example uh, example is uh, you want Pedro Martinez in 1999. That means no pudge in 1999. Uh, want to take uh, Pedro Martinez in 2000? Then no Todd Helton 147 RBI season. That, which he had in 2000. And then the final rule, rule number four, is no more than six seasons per decade. So there's 23 positions for this team. 
and when you choose your players uh whatever particular year that you well whatever particular season they chose you can only um choose six of their seasons per decade so between eight, 1980 and 19 between 1980 to 1989 you can only have up to uh six seasons from 1990 to 1999 and from 2000 to 2009 and then finally from t- 2010 to 2019 so it breaks down that you can have three decade three of the decades you're going to have six lines or six seasons you're going to pick six seasons in a particular decade for three of the four and the last one would be five so it boils down to three decades of six seasons and one decade of five but it can be in any rule i mean it can be in any order that you want the rules position eligibility a player is eligible for all positions he qualified for at the completion of the season you are using using a using the 20 game previous season and 10 game in season eligibility bar so that means if a person for a player to qualify at a particular position you have to have played 20 games at that position the previous year or 10 games at the position in the current year that you're choosing i kind of went i kind of made it a little bit more difficult because i felt that was kind of like a cheat because i know a lot of got on during the season like that's kind of a that's kind of a strategy so if a player plays 10 games at a certain position then they become eligible at that position but i felt that was kind of a cheat for this kind of project so i was i chose the way i chose my players for the positions is if they played the majority of the season at that position so i actually added i actually gave myself a little bit more difficult situation for that but it it kind of made a more entertaining or more challenge for me uh franchise affiliation is a so that rule is if a player was traded mid-season, use the team with uh, which he played this, uh, his first game of the season. So if a player was traded in between in the mid-season or within the season, whoever whatever team they started off with, that's the team that you're going to count. There's no minimum innings pitched or at bat. So that means you can pick anybody who played any season within those uh, five decades. So... Or four decades, sorry. And, um, but I mean, that really kind of becomes a debt. I mean, you, you really want like a player who's had his best season for as and played as much as possible because just that's how average that's how your averages and all your counting stats are going to work. You don't want somebody who just played like a few games or something like that. That's not something you want to do. And then finally. Uh, no algorithms allowed. That means uh, no trying to cheat by using software or calculations or anything like that to pick your players. You basically said this is honor system, but you want to do the research yourself and look at the players and then try to fudge, you know, fudge around with them or something like that and then pick them that way. That's how you want to do it. So uh, after all that, all the rules and stuff like that. Let's get into the challenge itself. So they prepare, uh, they provide you a spreadsheet that you can download, and it gives you a list of standings where there's uh, one, two, I think there's ten. There's ten of the ESPN uh, experts. 
So baseball slash fantasy baseball experts, they pick their players, they pick their teams, and and then they gave you the breakdown of all their totals uh, along with the amount of points they scored. And you can play along with them, compare your compare your total scores with them. They also gave you the, a worksheet that you can put your players in, that you fill in the, your positions, what season uh, you chose, the numbers they accumulated, uh, what teams they played, and they and it kind of gave it helps a lot because they have the calculate um, the uh, list of teams, the 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 years and the decades. So when you start plugging in your information, it starts filling out all the blanks. So when you're trying to organize or try to massage or adjust your team, it will tell you if you if you're within the rules or if you're you know, if you doubled up on a year or you doubled up on a team or you had more than 6 seasons in a particular decade. So that made it very 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 easy to fill out this worksheet. The thing that was most difficult was to pick the players. So, this is this was this took me about I want to say about 5 hours, maybe 5 or 6 hours. So a better part of a day, like a little more than half a day. And at first I thought, "Oh, it's not that hard." But when you think about it, it's like you're dealing with four decades of baseball four decades of stats and you know like oh my god like every year every season there's maybe about five to six hundred players and you compound that with 30 team 30 plus teams and you know you're talking hundreds of thousands of seasons and what you're trying to do is you're trying to cherry pick the best seasons that you can and arrange them so you can fit the criteria and build this amazing amazing team so basically my strategy started with i was looking at the weakest positions first well first like i broke it down into hitting pitching so i thought in terms of like hitting and pitching I put hitting more difficult because there's way more hitters than pitchers in um, in, his, in baseball history. So I broke it down to I focused on hitting first. That was a little that was a harder top uh, more difficult topic. And then I from the hitting standpoint, I broke it down to the weakest positions and then finish up on, with the strongest. So the weakest offensive positions pretty much is catcher. So like that's a that's a position where you're going to have players that has less playing time and they usually have the weakest offensive numbers because it's not an offensive offensive based uh, position. So catcher was first, then comes the brainstorming of which players come to mind as being one of the best hitters of that position in the past four decades. So of course the first two that comes to mind for me was Pudge Rodriguez, Yvonne Rodriguez and Mike Piazza, basically hall of fame uh, catchers who had 
amazing seasons. So the next thing I, I look at was, well, which player had the best season in terms of quote unquote, like Roto, Roto stats. And if you're not familiar with Roto stats, there's five categories for hitting and five categories for pitching. So the five categories I need to pay attention to is uh, runs, home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and batting average. So I compared Pudge Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez, to Mike Piazza. And the biggest difference between the two, well, of course, Mike Piazza had amazing, amazing offensive numbers, lots of home runs, great batting average, etc., etc. But one thing that, one big difference between the two was speed. In, uh, in his younger days, Ivan Rodriguez actually stole bases. He was able to steal a few bases when he was young. So that made him a pretty much five-category stud in his prime. So now I look at, now I zeroed in on Ivan Rodriguez, and I looked at his career and basically picked his best year, which was in 1999 when he played for the Rangers. And he pretty much, he scored 116 runs, hit 35 home runs, drove in 113 RBIs, and stole 25 bases while battering 332. So that's a contributor in all five categories. And you probably won't find any other catcher that can do that. So I, so that's my first, that was my first entry. So it was 1999, Ivan Rodriguez for the Rangers. So now, that being said, I cannot use anybody. I cannot use anybody who played for the Rangers. I cannot use anybody's season in 1999. So I cut that off. So the next thing is I look at the next catching position. So we have to have two catchers. The next one was Mike Piazza, um, who was the second best hitter to me uh, or the second best hitting catcher uh, during the four decades but now I have to make a decision is Mike Piazza the best player for the Dodgers in the past four decades was there any other player who was more dominant at another position than Mike Piazza was at catcher and to me it boiled down to do I want Mike Piazza's? Do I want Mike Piazza's best season for the Dodgers, or do I want Clayton Kershaw's best season for the Dodgers? For Mike Piazza's case, even though he's played for other teams, his best seasons were still with the Dodgers. So it had to be Mike Piazza for the Dodgers, or I'm not going to use him at all. So now I think. Who was more dominant at their position? Mike Piazza at catcher or Clint Kershaw at starting pitcher? And there are some amazing seasons by Clint Kershaw. I mean, he was a triple crown pitcher. Um, he had one of the best ERAs in the past four decades. So I had to say no to Mike Piazza. And I would use my position uh, my player for the Dodgers to be Clayton Kershaw so now my second catcher is gone at this point 
I decided to skip that and then come back to it again to see if I have, you know, if there's another catcher I, after I start filling out the roster, if there's any other position or any other catcher that can fill that, that gap. So that to be continued. Okay, so now the next thing I started looking at, I kind of jumped around now. And then I started thinking of some of the most elite seasons I've ever seen or I know of in the past four decades. There's the Barry Bonds 70 home run season for the Giants. There's the, I was like 73 home runs, I'm sorry. There's the uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa race for the record in 1998. Uh, there's the Jose Canseco, uh, 1988 season, the, the, uh, the first player to go 40-40. There's some other players that, of course, there's A-Rod's 40-40 season. There's, yeah, there's all these guys that had, like, these amazing seasons. So now this is where the maneuvering of players around, like, moving them around and seeing if I can match them. So the first thing I did was I put in the ones that I could fit so far. So I put Jose Canseco's 40-40 season, Barry Bonds' 70 home run season, 70-something home run season, Mark McGuire's 70 home run season. Because of that, I couldn't take Sammy Sosa's, I think it was 66 home runs or something. So I had to find another season. And I think I chose another one where Sammy Sosa had 64 home runs. So I started putting those guys in. Now, this is where things start to get a little where I would have to start thinking a little bit more. Because now that I filled those gaps, I have to find other players to fill the other positions and not hit the same years or the same teams as those players so i thought about okay so i put barry bonds season at his 70 some his 73 home run season with the giants i put that in on the list and then i thought is there any other giants that i need to think of so there's a couple options i mean one of them was jeff kent for second base because second base is was a little interesting for me i couldn't think of a lot of players that a lot of second basemen that put in like really really great season or phenomenal seasons so then i start thinking maybe not barry bonds when he was with the giants maybe barry bonds when he was with the pirates because he because barry bonds had some great seasons with the pirates so i started moving those around i started looking at the the a's so there's Jose Canseco's 40-40 season. There's Ricky Henderson for the Oakland A's. There's oh, there's a young I mean there's a young Mark McGuire in case I need to go that direction in case uh, there's another Cardinals player. But that didn't that didn't happen. Or I start thinking it's like, well, do I want Mark McGuire at first base? For the Cardinals, or there's another player that played for the Cardinals but plays in a, a weaker position, which is third base, 
and that's Albert Pujols. Now I have to think, okay, Mark McGuire at first base or and his best season or Albert Pujols' best season with the Cardinals while he was playing third base. Ultimately, I ditched Mark McGuire for Albert Pujols because I thought I can probably get somebody who had similar value at first base or closer to Mark McGuire's value compared to any third baseman that, you know, any other third baseman that put the kind of numbers that Albert Pujols has. So I ultimately I chose Albert Pujols's 2003 season where he hit 43 home runs, drove in 137 R, I mean scored 137 runs, drove in 124 RBIs and batted at 359. It was hard it was hard to give that up, so I stuck I went with that. I uh, now I started looking at some other Hall of Fame guys or guys who had Hall of Fame numbers and the other one was sh- at shortstop. So did I want Alex Rodriguez at shortstop or third base? So did I want Alex Rodriguez uh, third base numbers uh, at instead of Albert Pujols's? And then if I did that, who was going to take over shortstop? Because there's not much. I mean, I'm thinking of other position. I mean, other number guys who put like similar numbers. Derek Jeter, Nomar Garcia Parra, well, some of all these all these new guys that uh, are starting to come out. Alex Bregman, yeah. I mean, like a lot of the modern, a lot of the recent guys. Yes, they're superstars and things like that. But the numbers that were put up in the '90s and the early 2000s, it was hard to to go against that. So ultimately, I ended up getting. Alex Rodriguez 40-40 season when he was with the Mariners which kind of freed up some options so there's other people that had other Yankees that had great seasons so I could still get a Yankee I could Rangers was out of the question because Pudge Rodriguez took took that so A-Rod shortstop Mariners I mean the only other person that was like potentially would have had better numbers than A-Rod would have been Ken Griffey Jr. But he plays outfield. Outfield was far and away the easiest uh, position to to fill because there was just so many options. So I wanted the infields taken care of. So A-Rod, shortstop, Mariners, 1998. And because of that, because it was 1998, that means no Mark McGuire, no Sammy Sosa, and all that. All that. So I the 1998 season, that's who I chose. Then I started looking at some of the other teams that I kind of like. I didn't have, I didn't choose so far, and they were had potential. Like they ha- didn't have as much options. So uh, let's see. We did we did the Giants, we did the A's, we did the Mariners, Rangers. I didn't do Dodgers yet, but I already decided that Clint Kershaw is going to be Dodgers. Then I start looking at teams that I haven't chosen yet and who potentially was their best players. And now I'm kind of starting to 
fill in the blanks for some of those. Like Boston, so okay, Boston Red Sox. I mean, who's who is the best in that in these decades? And that pretty much boiled down to Pedro Martinez. So Pedro Martinez had probably one of the best single seasons. You know, some of the best season pitching seasons ever when he was with the Boston Red Sox. I couldn't get his ultimate, like his triple crown season or his best season um of all time but i got something close so his 2000 season where he struck out 284 guys uh had an era 174 whip of 0.74 probably one of the best seasons in the four decades that we get to choose so you know that took the red Sox out now i put in clayton kershaw clayton kershaw is the other guy that you know, so that's Dodgers and chose his potentially his best season, which was 2014. Uh, that wasn't so bad because the later I found like the 2010s, there we started to see like basically ultimate seasons weren't really showing up as much. So, okay, so that's done. Then uh, I'm thinking of other like Hall of Fame pitchers. Okay, so Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, probably one of the best pitchers in the past three decades. He has to be in there. So who do which you know which career or which season did I want? Which team did he want? Ultimately became like his uh, seasons with the D-backs, the Diamondbacks, was the best was some of his best seasons. So I tried to grab the best one he had, uh, his best season there. And that was in 2002. The you know looking at other some who else had like like crazy amazing MVP awesome pitching seasons. Greg Maddox has to be one of them. So Greg Maddox, welcome to the club. Ultimately, uh, I took a Greg Maddox season over a John Smoltz season with the Brave, just because he. Maddox didn't strike out as many people as Smoltz, but the ERA and the whip, the ratios were so much better than anybody. Like, bar none, he, uh, Greg Maddox's best season had the best, like, he had the lowest ERA, one of the lowest whips. He needed to be on the team. So, now I have Maddox, Pedro, Kershaw, Johnson uh, for the pitchers. Now some of the now we're starting to kind of now the team the the amount of available teams starts to dwindle who do i who's next well uh started looking at other teams you know the remaining teams and where's the best season who are the best players and has the best seasons another one that stood out was uh eric davis for the cincinnati reds he had Probably one of the best uh, single seasons for a Reds player where he hit 37 home runs and stole 50 bases. So there you go. You get that. One thing I didn't get, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering if I should change my mind on this, was my outfield started to fill up. At this point, I had Barry Bonds, Jose Canseco, Eric Davis... Sammy Sosa, 
and I ha only had one more outfield position and junk and um and utility or DH. And I couldn't figure out where to put Mike Trout. Um, you would think Mike Trout deserves to be on this team, on this team, or you know, in this group, but I could not find a place to put him. And in terms of career, like Mike Trout has like the best bar none year after year best career but he hasn't had like these blow away you know hall of fame like one for the record books seasons yet there was one where he i think it was like he a similar season like eric davis where he hit 30 home runs and stole like 40 bases i think or something like that it's a 30 40 or something like that but i'm going to tell you what uh Later on, I will tell you why I didn't include that. And this, this is more of a strategy than anything. So now, of course, looking at the teams, well, we haven't chose a hit. We haven't chose a Rocky hitter yet, which we should. So now we have which, you know, which of the, which of the these great Rockies should I choose? Larry Walker, um, uh, ultimately I chose Larry Walker because he had one of the most amazing seasons that you would ever see. This was, I think this was the year that he was chasing 400 for about half a season. Um, so I chose Larry Walker as my fifth outfielder. He had 49 home runs. He stole 33 bases. He batted 366. Now that's unbelievable. And... I mean, no matter what, it's like Mike Trout's had a great career, but he has never hit a, had a season like that. So Larry Walker's 1997 season becomes my fifth outfielder. Now, now we're starting to get into the meat. Uh, now it's starting to get a little scarce. So now I don't have, you know, I don't have these teams that have like, year after year great players and things like that so i have to start picking and choosing so at this point i haven't done first base yet and i don't have as much options in terms of players available so now i get to have to be a little bit more picky but what i ended up doing was i ended up picking up a couple of first baseman that play that's playing played or uh playing for kind of sort of weaker i mean teams that have kind of a weaker weaker list of players so my two first basemen one f played first uh one i have at first base one i have at corner is i took miguel cabrera when he had his mvp season not a super high batting average hit 40 plus home runs Drove in 137. Can't really argue that. And I also ended up picking up Frank Thomas. And the reason why I picked up Frank Thomas is now we're getting now I'm getting into the point where there's my tw my 2000s is kind of full. So I don't have I don't have position like 
I don't have that many seasons left in the 2000s and the 2010s are a little bit like I found some third uh, first basements there but they did not kind of they did not get have the numbers that Frank Thomas had and Frank Thomas best seasons were in the 90s I still had space in there for that decade so welcome Frank Thomas corner the hardest one I ended up having to fill was second base so again I was thinking Jeff Kent but Jeff Kent's seasons were his best seasons were interrupting some of the other players best seasons and to be honest their seasons are better than Jeff Kent's best seasons so even though he his numbers might have been the best numbers a second baseman had in these four decades it's still not a it's still not going to make a you know it would have been a, a detriment to do that so i ended up looking 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 and then finally settled on um robinson cano for the yankees when he played second base it's by far the weakest numbers for my whole list but given that everybody else you know all the other players i picked um and their teams and things like that their seasons were incredible and so much better than everybody else's that i felt this you know i'll take the hit on this and it's still not a terrible season for a middle or a second baseman it was a 302 302 batting average but with uh with 118 rbis and 104 runs and and a and a sprinkle of stolen bases the the biggest problem was uh he didn't have like a monumental amount of home runs but i felt that grabbing players from other teams that had crazy crazy home run totals kind of makes up for that i started and now it's getting the pickings are becoming slimmer and slimmer uh, i started looking at other like 50 plus home run seasons by people on teams that i didn't choose yet and the only other ones i uh one of the ones that was a good pick was Giancarlo stanton's 2017 season where he hit 59 home runs drove in 132 scored 123 and it was in the 2010s, which I had plenty space for. So he becomes my utility. And now I have very, you know, it's pretty weak in terms of uh, other teams. I looked at the Orioles to get my last middle infield position. And that was Miguel Tejada's 150 RBI season when he hit 34 home runs and then batted 311. Uh, I picked him because his uh, RBI totals was like one of the best, um, you know, best of all time, best single seasons of all time. I think it was, yeah, it was up there. So, you know, I got him for the, I got that for the RBI totals. Now my last position was the second catcher and the, the best option there was, Joe Maurer for the Twins in 2009. 
He batted 365 with 28 homers, 94 runs, 96 RBIs. That's about as good as you can get uh, for that position. So welcome to the team, Joe Maurer. My hitting's done. Going back to the pitching, given the way the num you know the way baseball has evolved, a lot of the offensive explosion happened in like the mid to late nineties and on, which m- leads you to believe that pitching you can probably find really good pitching in the eighties and nineties. We already got four. When Greg Maddox, Pedro Martinez, Clayton Kershaw, Randy Johnson. We got four of the people, you know, four of our nine positions. The next one I picked up was Max Scherzer because I didn't have a Expo slash National yet. And I already picked Pedro Martinez as a Red Sox. So now the best pitcher, best pitcher left for the Nationals slash Expos would be Max Scherzer. And he had a 300 strikeout season. You know, that's good. One of the other, you know, I started looking at guys who had like 300 strikeout seasons in this four decades. Another one that was kind of a no-brainer for me was Mike Scott for the Astros. Because I was looking at, okay, I was thinking with the Astros, I'll probably get a hitter. But I'm looking at the the people, you know, the hitters there, and their single season, some of their best seasons, just never added up to all the other hitters that I've been choosing. But Mike Scott had this one great season where he struck out 300-plus batters and had a whip under one and an ERA at 2.16. So, you know, it was in the 80s. So it was a decade that we, it was a decade that I had plenty space for. It was 300 strikeouts. It was a low whip. It was a team that I didn't pick yet, so I added him. The Mets, I mean, there were some good hitters, but there were some great pitchers in this fourth decade. So it was either somebody like Jacob Degrom in the recent, in you know, in the recent seasons. Or some of the, there was, you know, the aces of the 80s, like uh, like Doc Gooden, David Cohn, those guys. Or, you know, did we, we, there, was, there, was some, there was a lot of great pitchers. But I ultimately ended up with Dwight Gooden's uh, season where he struck out 268, won 24 games. And that was another reason why I was trying. I was getting a lot of 1980s pitchers because these were pitchers that won a lot of games. I mean, Degrom had a you know an amazing season, but he only won 10 games, I think, 10 or 12 games. So it hurt me to pick him in the wins col- for the wins column. Uh, that means I would have to have made it up in some other way. And then finally. Uh, I was looking more 80s uh, pitchers, and then finally I got uh, Steve Carlton for the Philly uh, for the Phillies. He's a guy that sh- struck out 286 batters, had 24 wins. Uh, the ERA was a little bit higher than than some of my other picks, but it's still really really good. 
amazing, you know, and he pitched a ton of innings. So, you know, it helps with the it ultimately it kind of hurt because my my averages were really 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 low, but the wins, the strikeouts couldn't really um couldn't really say no to that. Now, here's where the strategies kind of came in. Looking at the standings and looking at some of the uh, other experts, the way they built their teams, uh, three of them punted saves. Basically, they picked all starting pitchers so they can accumulate strikeouts, they can accumulate wins, and, you know, to hell with everything else. So they, because of that, they left zero, um, they accumulated zero saves, and three of them did that. Because of that, if I just picked one closer, if I picked just one closer, I immediately get a four-point boost, or at least a three-point boost over everybody else. I'm not going to ultimately be able to dethrone guys who got, you know, added like 100 saves, got like 100 saves or so, or these guys who, you know, chased after closers who, you know, picked up two closers that saved over 50-something games. But if I do middle of the pack, if I get something in the middle, but like chased a whole bunch of strikeouts, you know that kind of gave me a little bit of a an edge so what i ended up doing is i ended up just picking one closer from a team that i did not have i mean from a team that i didn't pick from yet and they didn't and i wasn't too worried about the era and whip because their you know closers don't their their ratios don't hurt as much because they only they only pitch like so many innings so I ended up picking up like Mark Davis for the Padres. I could have probably gone with Trevor Hoffman or something like that, but I ended up going with Mark Davis because um, he ended up getting close to 100 strikeouts. So he still helped with the strikeouts. The ERA was a little bit high. The whip was ridiculously high, but he got 44 saves. That's not bad. I'll take it. Putting him as my last selection on my pitching staff gave me four points in saves automatically. And all these other horses that I have put me into second place for strikeouts and fourth place in wins. So that's not bad. Now, here's the other part of the strategy I looked at. Uh, looking at the standings for on the offensive side, I'm looking at the amount of stolen bases uh, the amount of stolen bases everybody accumulated. And it looks like a lot of people really went after like speedsters, guys who stole 50, 60, 70 bases, maybe even 100 because they're, they were, you know, there were Ricky Hendersons and Vince Coleman's and whoever who stole 100, 100 something bases. Um, if I did that, then I would get hit hard on the other offensive numbers like home runs and RBIs. So instead I tried to pile more on the power 
and um, I just basically accumulated enough stolen bases to hit to not be last place. So I didn't want the one point in stolen bases. I ended up getting two, and what helps, what makes it good is I ended up getting more stolen bases than the number one guy in the standings. So he had the least amount of stolen bases. And then when I put my team in, I had the least amount of stolen bases. So he actually get a, got a leg up. But if I pass him in stolen bases, that's a two-point flip, right? He loses a point, I gain a point. So there is a two-point differential in that. So that's why I didn't go with a lot of speedsters. I just basically got a lot of guys, a lot of power guys that stole a little bit of bases that could just give me enough. And that's why I didn't pick um, Mike Trout's best season because his best season, even though he hit 30 home runs, it wasn't like extraordinary amount of home runs, even though he stole like 40 something bases. Even if I, when I, if I picked him, it wouldn't have improved me in the stolen base department it wouldn't have mattered. I would have been better off getting more power, more RBIs, more uh, runs. In the end, I actually got the most RBIs. Uh, I won the RBI category. I am third in home runs. I'm middle of pack in runs, and I'm in the middle pack of batting average. So ultimately, in the whole scheme of things, I total up all my players, total up on my numbers. I ended up getting a total score of 74, which puts me in a strong, basically it's a strong fourth place. And the fourth place in 11, you know, basic, pretty much I am worse than just three out of the 10 guys that uh, participated. So I don't feel that bad about it. I mean, like, I think I did really, really well. I think I um, put a lot of thought to it. I think my strategy ended up being pretty well. I mean, it was, it's, there is a little bit of shenanigans a bit because I got to see what everybody else, what the, I got to see what everybody else's score was. I didn't see what their teams were, but I saw what their scores were and I kind of gamed the system that way. But I didn't use algorithms. All my players were strictly, you know, I picked them strictly by looking up, looking them up and following the worksheet. So I think I did really, really well. And it was fun. I mean, I, I got to I got to think about baseball again. Well, there's no baseball being played and there's no sports being played. And, you know, it's it's kind of like. It's the kind of stuff that I enjoyed playing. Um, that was kind of the reason why I got into fantasy baseball was just playing with numbers and stats and things like that. And I got to do that even though it's only for a day. But now I get to do it, you know, I get to talk about it now. So this is like two days of enjoyment for me. And, you know, it's we're in a bad time right now there's a lot of stress a lot of people are you know a lot of people are losing jobs 
people are worried about getting sick and we need to find these distractions and these these things that will take us out of the you know take us out of the the stress and the the all this all this doom and gloom and you know let us escape for a little bit get our minds off off things have a little fun you know work the brain you know exercise the brain a little bit by doing some you know by reading and doing stats and thinking about stuff but stuff that doesn't have any like consequences thinking about stuff and concentrating about things and you don't have to worry about like any repercussions and stuff like that it's it's kind of refreshing and gives us a break and gives us an escape and you know that's that's good that's great we we need that so i hope you enjoyed this podcast i mean if you do if you you know we can do more of these i'm sure aaron has some has has some things in mind or he might do something similar and you know we might have you know we might tag off on this kind of things and until we are able to hang out again and be Pauhana together again. But until that time, stay safe, take care of yourself, and I hope to see you next time. This is Neil for Pauhana, and I'll see you. Bye.